It's probably been quite some time since people, certainly in the Newcastle region, have had the opportunity to to see you and to hear you. But I, I suspect there might be quite a few who want to come along to to see you on on, uh, on the Tuesday, the thirtieth, because you are truly telling your story, aren't you? That's pretty well what happened. Yeah. Why? I've got a lot of friends from up there, Newcastle, and I've never had the opportunity, or for a long, long time now. To, to be able to get up that way. Why did you want to do the spoken word tour, Stevie? Well, it was an idea of a friend of mine that had been tried before by some country American singer and uh, had, had reasonable success in that. But this Tony friend of mine, uh, he came up, he, we were on the, um, the ACDC tribute. Right. And, uh, and uh, this Tony Savage... He spoke to him about a night, this idea, and uh, about the whole story. And my, uh, I'd be ideal for the part uh, because my sort of story is a pretty heavy roller coaster ride. And uh, I thought about it, and things worked out sort of okay for him because uh, I, in between um, commitments and that, and. Um, projects and, uh, and I found I had enough time. I was a bit worried because I've never fancied myself as a talker on stage. In fact, I used to cut my talk down to a minimum. Mm. But uh, now this is the whole box and dice right from the beginning. Uh, first 10 years in England and the rest of the time in Australia and the, the magic of the easy beats uh, struck up. And then uh, worse things happen the later in life that I get into and uh, have a bit of a talk about that. Yeah. And uh, and it's going over well. Then then we throw the uh, the the, the um, questions and that to the audience, and anything that they want to come up with, anything over the years that they've read or mixed up with or had an argument with a friend over, nah, Stevie Wright does this, no, he did that. Well, here's the opportunity to sort of clean it up. My guest is Stevie Wright here on 12.33 ABC Newcastle, of course from uh, the the huge 60s band The Easy Beats, perhaps one of the the first and and biggest successes in Australian rock music. Stevie, if you think back to that era when when your family came to Australia, heavens above, there were certainly some amazingly talented people on that boat, weren't there? They were. I mean, if they were all on the boat, the boat would have sunk. We had Jimmy Barnes and 
Oh, I can't remember the rest, but they all seemed to settle in Adelaide uh, at first. They must have must have been something about Adelaide. I guess there were people. There was like Jimmy Barnes and his, his brother John Swan. There was yourself. There was the the young boys, and of course the uh, the Vander and Young connection, which is the whole ACDC connection, um, and, and Easy Beats. That's sort of all one big family, really, isn't it? Well, except for John Swan and and Jim. Uh, we were in, a, well, I wasn't, uh, but the rest of the Easy Beats were in a hostel, sort of, uh, a migrant hostel when I met them, hmm. and uh, uh, it took a lot of putting together. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, there's a lot of people came out of those places, you know, like that. That's the only places we had to live when we first came out here. They, the Australian government cost, paid the fare for us. Mm. We were £10 pounds. Stevie, I'm sure that um, most of our listeners would be really familiar with the story that you do tell very openly and honestly on the Spoken Word Tour, and and that's the story that we all know of from the heights of rock and roll stardom to the depths of despair with a a huge and monstrous drug addiction. I I think plenty of people are probably surprised that we're even having this conversation today. That's pretty right, and you could have been talking to a memory. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's what happened. And that's the uh, the dynamics of the show is from the heights of, and the dizzy heights of the Inuits reach to, uh, to the lowest of the low that even my own kind at the time turned their backs on me. Mm. What was it that made you decide, Stevie, ultimately that you wanted to survive? Well, I wanted to stop. I got into it for... Curiosity kind of reasons, you know, like um, I, I was never an alcohol drinker uh, uh, in those days. And uh, and I got into some, I had a violent introduction to it. Um, I got cheeky with the barmaid and she pushed the glass in and chipped me teeth. And uh, anyway, and then our drummer came up because there were some bobbies walking up the road towards the pub and they thought, I'd better stop this quick, otherwise Steve will be lifted, we'll all be lifted for having an underage drinker there. So he gave me a headbutt behind the ear hole, which uh, I woke up sometime later in Burwood and uh, with a sorry experience. And what about the introduction to drugs, Stevie? I was watching um, a piece of video from from one of the spoken word performances that you've already done and the story that you told, as a mum, it put the fear of God into me. I've got two little boys and you described that first introduction as essentially peer pressure. Well, it was in a way. Um, I had... I admired certain artists, and I knew that they'd used heroin, and uh, and I wondered. I I just wondered. I was curious at first, and I walked into Jesus Christ Superstar. I was working Jesus Christ Superstar for a couple of years, mm. um, and I walked in there, and I'd heard the piano part played a thousand times, and I knew every note nearly. Um, the sound of them, anyway. And uh, I walked in, and there was a different keyboard man on, and I could. He was playing at a level that I'd never heard. It was really, really, really good. And uh, I, I couldn't see him because he was in the elephant pit, as they called it. 
and uh, where all the musicians gathered and played. And uh, I wanted to see where this was, this fabulous music was coming from. I went down into the, uh, into the uh, where the musicians were, and I saw the piano player, and his head was on the keys, and his hands were working a thousand a thousand miles an hour he was brilliant and I looked but I couldn't understand his he was nodding off and you know like his head was forward on the keys and it wasn't natural anyway I said to the bass player um what's with him and uh, they said oh he's on heroin and I thought wow that's why Ray Charles is on it and uh Keith Richards and all these people that I admired had used it. It had been um, publicised that they used it. And I thought that there was a certain power attached to it. I went to a party a week later. It was the last after show party that we did and I was introduced to it there in a very cunning way they put it on some alfoil and you sucked it up through a straw and no injection no heavy scene about it it was really subtle somebody asked me to have a go and I said no no I'm not getting into that and they said come on you know you'll be all right it's only on alfoil it's nothing real and so I had to go through the straw and Nothing happened. And I said, see, I, it doesn't work on me. I've got one of those bodies it doesn't work on. And they said, have another go. You know, you, you probably feel the effect then. And so I, from the fear of, of, uh, the, of the things, the bad things that I'd heard about it, to the, to the uh, discovery that I, um, that I did when I, I saw the piano player that, that first time, I thought, oh, okay, I'll have another go. Um, and I had another go, and all of a sudden, this, the room started to go up to the top floor, so to speak. Nausea racked my body. I vomited for four days. I was never so sick at, at, at that point. And uh, anybody else you would think would uh, say, oh, Never again. I'm never touching that stuff again, you know. Mm. And but me thinking, oh, the power must be to get over the top of it. And once you're over the top of it, then you know, then you get a look in Pandora's box, as they say. I lost everything. I had to lose everything. My job to my my wife and son, uh, all my money, uh, everything went. I moved into mum's and trashed the house there pretty well. I was just uh, in so much pain, and uh, and that when I didn't have it, that it made me go against my better judgment, Mm. and uh, and. And keep trying to get over the top of the the stuff. And anyway, when I finally did, it had me, and I found out what a drought was when there was none around, and the illnesses, and oh, uh, that went on. It went on until 
I began to miss the things that I loved. I began to miss my wife and son. I began to miss not making money. Uh, and touring with music, there was no such thing as music in my life in those, at that time. I, I didn't care about anything else. I was in love with heroin. And, uh, it, it, you know, it had a, 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 a fantastic effect. It took all the pain out of my body. Uh, not only physical pains that, I, that I'd had, but mental and psychological pains and phobias and things like this. It cleaned, seemed to clean me out, my, the pain thing up. Yeah. And, uh, it encouraged me to go into it more. But I, I did it and did it and got into worse trouble and uh, so in the end I began to miss not having a normal home life, not having, you know, a wife and a son and, and able to do social things that other people were doing because of the trouble and habit that I had. Yeah, indeed. My guest is Stevie Wright here on 1233 ABC Newcastle. Of course, he is there as perhaps our our most successful uh, rock star, pop star with the Easy Beats. And then, of course, the the wonderful work that you did on your own, Stevie, with uh, with Hard Road and, and Black Eyed Bruiser. And uh, I will play Evie a little bit later on because that has to be one of Australia's greatest rock anthems, hasn't it? My favourite one, I guess, out of them all. It didn't break any records in England, probably because it lasted for 11 minutes. And uh, you don't get get to play many commercials. Stevie Wright, how are you in 2009? I'm good now. I learned a lot recovering. I learned about these things and how to get rid of them in the normal way, which ordinary people, people with ordinary jobs and people that consider themselves just ordinary, you know what I mean? Nothing special about them. And, uh, sorry? So when people come along to to see you um, for the the spoken word tour, which is, it's you being interviewed essentially, isn't it, and telling your life story. It's on Tuesday the 30th of June at Cardiff Panthers. I have seen part of it, Stevie, and I understand that there's no hold barred. If people want to know something, you'll tell them. We uh, throw it open to the audience and it's no good lying about things because I've got I had shock treatment. I had that horrible fellow who committed suicide, Dr. Harry Bailey. Yes, you were one of the Chelmsford survivors, weren't you? Exactly, and they gave me 14 blasts of shock treatment uh, whilst I was sedated. The go was to, um, you go in there, they put you to sleep, you wake up two, uh, two weeks later, completely cured. Mm, and as we know, it killed many, many people. It killed a lot of people. I don't have the stats on me, but, um, and a lot of people committed suicide because of it too, you know. So I was very lucky to get out of that alive by the grace of God, for sure. Stevie Wright, it's been a real joy for me to speak with you today. Uh, Having you still with us is fantastic that you have survived the hell that you went through, that you put yourself through, I guess, is uh, is wonderful. And that you're coming to Newcastle to talk to people is fantastic. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Cal, for having me.
must be a better way to say the things I feel, the love I only know with you. But I don't know what it is that makes me feel the way I do. Shining down, my eyes are open now. I see so much I never knew. Evie, I wanna thank you now. Giving me this child, so much a part of me and you. Who I don't know what it is that makes me feel the way I do. Oh, oh, oh in love with you